Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. If you want to know how to have a good experience with the Lord, a fruitful experience for the Lord, the Apostles' Doctrine, you're in the Word of God. You're in fellowship, hanging out, and loving on the people of God. The breaking of bread, we're going to do that in a moment as we take the bread and the cup together and in prayers. Today is our final message from the book of Mark, part two of a study Pastor Sam has entitled, Our Living Hope. We're taking up where we left off on Friday in verse 12 of Mark chapter 16, looking at Jesus's final appearances, the Great Commission, and his ascension to heaven. So let's listen in. After that, verse 12, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, surprise, but they did not believe them either. Luke records the story in Luke 24. We don't have time for the whole story, but I'll read you three or four statements out of that at the end, just prior to communion. And it'll all make sense when we get there, I promise you. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table, verse 14, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Well, Jesus shares the Great Commission. It's in all four gospel records. He gives a promise of supernatural spiritual power because you can never accomplish the work of God in the energies of the flesh. He promises supernatural spiritual protection. And then all that leads us to, well, our communion time. So let's start with the Great Commission. He says to them and he says to us today because this is plan A and there is no plan B. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. The believing is the key, you see. The baptism is a public testimony that you have personally and privately, but in reality, received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you're baptized publicly to testify to that effect. Is he saying here baptism is essential for or necessary to salvation? No, he's not. But he's saying believe and be baptized. So why not obey our Lord? There are some who go so far as to say, well, you don't even need to be baptized. And I will say the thief on the cross didn't have that opportunity, but he didn't have that opportunity. You and I do. I bring this up only to say we're probably not going to have a baptism in the next month or two, although it looks like we're getting a little lake out there in our uh, future playground area. If it gets any deeper, maybe we'll just go out there and start dunking. But uh, it's full immersion for us. And, and uh, you can get a CD for free on baptism. I'll give you the who, what, when, where, why, what it does, what it doesn't do, what you can expect and shouldn't. You can get that for free at the uh, CD booth. So pick one up. And if, if you're like, well, like they baptized me as a baby. Did that count? Get the CD. I'll give you the short answer. No. So um, 
anyway, there's, there's stuff to learn about it. And if you're like, why didn't it count? Get the CD. It's free. It's not like I'm going to make anything on it. So I have no ulterior motive except to get you to know what the Bible says about this issue of baptism. So the real issue here is believing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Those who refuse to believe perish in their sins. He gives a promise of supernatural power, first over demonic spirits, second to praise him and magnify him in languages they'd never learned. And then again, uh, the third thing is, is that he'll promise supernatural protection. But let's look at that first. He, he promises them supernatural power over demonic spirits who would oppose them and possess others. These signs will follow those who believe in my name, he says. Verse 17, they will cast out demons. If you go to the book of Acts, highly recommended reading. If you're a new Christian, a young Christian, or not yet a Christian, let me encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. They're four stories, four records of the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and promise to return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. They are his story through and through. So you want to familiarize yourself with those first. Read the book of Acts because it's early church history. It's what took place in their lifetime. And uh, you'll learn an awful lot about what God can do and what he might, may do. But what we're never sure about is what he's going to do. That's why we can pray like Jesus. Hey, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. You know what you want to do. You have a perfect will. And so, Lord, have your way. He says in verse 17, the latter part, they will speak with new tongues. Listen, this takes place in Acts chapter 2 for the first time. They're gathered in an upper room, about 120 of them. Important when it talks about the disciples on the Emmaus Road, it, it, it sounds at first like they're, they're two of the 11 but they come to the 11. So there were many disciples of Jesus and you have this group gathered in an upper room. It's the Feast of Pentecost. So we've gotten past Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a week-long celebration is passed and now Pentecost comes and people have gathered Jews and proselytes from all over the world in that time, or you know, that part that was the hub of the world. And they had gathered to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And, and, and so these in the upper room, they're there waiting on the Lord and they begin to praise him in languages they'd never learned. I'll read you just a tiny bit of it. Acts 2, a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind filled the house, cloven tongues as a fire sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Tongues here means languages. Why? Because they only had one tongue except that cloven tongue of fire that was sitting over each of them. Now, they couldn't see that over themselves, but they noticed everyone else had one. 
So th there are multiple miracles here. There are visual miracles. There are audio miracles. They're hearing this rushy, mighty wind. They're seeing these cloven tongues of fire. Then they begin to praise and adore the Lord, worship the Lord in languages they'd never learned. And I'll, I'll share with you in just a moment. I'll read something to you to verify that so you don't have to take my word for it again Acts chapter 2, read the chapter, and it all becomes exceedingly clear if you're new to this. Well, they spoke with these tongues in these languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is a supernatural work of God. What's taking place? Parthenians, this is Acts 2.9, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, um, uh, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. So you have pretty much the known world in that description saying we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God in our own languages the translation would be we're hearing them praising God in languages we understand now understand this the miracle isn't happening in the ears of the hearers they're just hearing their language the miracles happening among the 120. And, and you should know this. When we go to St. Anne's in Jerusalem, people enter into this beautiful cathedral. It's one of the few we go to. We go there because the worship in there is so glorious. And there's no worship team and there's no band and there's no hymnals and there's no worship leader. You just walk into St. Anne's and you can hear people over here talking. Well, it sounds guttural. It sounds like maybe German or something like that. Over here you have the French and over here you have, uh, you know, the Irish and they're harder to understand than the Germans or the French. But uh, anyway, that's a joke for you guys. But uh, it, there are all these different languages and, and, and then you just start singing hallelujah, hallelujah. And you hear everybody in the whole place just starting to sing hallelujah. Turns out that word is known everywhere and there's no translation for it as far as is uh, something to substitute. So everyone begins to proclaim in their own language this word hallelujah. The only difference here is they weren't just singing hallelujah. They were magnifying the Lord. They were declaring the wonderful works of God. Lord, thank you for loving us and choosing us and laying down your life for us. They're praising and worshiping him and people down in the street below. They're hearing it and they're saying, what in the world does this mean? Well, as they're wondering all that, it says that some questioned what it meant. Others started mocking You'll often see that if you go downtown and share the Lord, people will say, hey, what are you talking about? I, I explain further. And others are going to say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. In this case, some of the people standing around said, oh, it's just a bunch of drunks. They're full of new wine. I want to say it's 9 a.m. and this isn't that kind of feast. So that's not happening at all. 
But Peter steps up and provides a scriptural basis for the phenomenon that's taking place. It's so important. If you can't say this is that prophesied here or spoken here, there's so much God promises to do. Make sure that what you're engaging in and encouraging others to engage in is actually a biblical experience. And if you're like, well, God's doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing, but he does reveal to us what he wants to do and plans to do. So in the midst of that, Peter steps up and says, these aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour. But this is that spoken of by um, the prophet Joel saying, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. And he goes on to quote from that prophecy in the midst of it. It's important to note that this is sort of a down payment, if you will. It's not all flesh that his spirit has been poured out on that day. It's this group, but it is a preview of what will happen in the last days when he pours out his spirit on all flesh. So he provides the scriptural basis. And by the way, I could give you a dozen other examples like it, but for time's sake, we'll press on. In the midst of all of this, um, they were cut to the heart. They hear the message because he says, you crucified the Lord and God raised them from the dead. And, and we're testifying today to that reality. And they were cut to the heart and asked, what must I do? What must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and your children and to those who are afar off, as many as our Lord will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And this, this church of 120 believers has a little growth. Those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. About 3,000 souls were added to them. And they... All of them continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and of prayers. If you want to know how to have a good experience with the Lord, a fruitful experience for the Lord, the apostles' doctrine, you're in the word of God. You're in fellowship, hanging out and loving on the people of God. The breaking of bread, we're going to do that in a moment as we take the bread and the cup together and in prayers. The third thing is as they go out to make disciples of all nations, he promises supernatural protection. Now, these promises have led to some kind of bizarre uh, interpretations and ideas. So let me just say he's promising people who he has called who've responded to the call, who've forsaken all to follow him. And now they're out representing him and sharing his gospel. And he's saying, when you get out there, uh, I'm going to be watching over you. He says in verse 18, if they take up serpents uh, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. 
He says, they will take up servants, serpents, excuse me, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, he's not authorizing snake handling services. You'll never find one of those in California, but I grew up in the South. It happens down there. But then you people, everybody, everybody smokes at church too because that's where they grow the tobacco when it's considered, you know, uncivilized not to smoke. So that's another thing you don't see a lot in churches in California. But nevertheless, supernatural protection. He's not saying, hey, go out and look for snakes and show them what you can do. The Apostle Paul shipwrecked, one of the many shipwrecks he experienced. He's there and, and, and they, they make it to the shore and it's, it's, everybody's just soaked and sopped. And so he's gathering wood to help build a fire and a serpent takes hold of him and just, you know, he holds it up like this and everybody sees the serpent hanging off of him. And they all pause and they say, okay, let's watch him die because they knew this was a viper. They knew he was going to die, but he didn't die. So first they think, man, this guy must be really bad. He survives a shipwreck only to be killed by a serpent. And then they think he must be a god because neither shipwreck nor serpent killed him. Well, he's neither. He's not really bad. Used to be. Now he's good. But... Uh, the serpent, it's not taking him out because Jesus promised that if such a thing happened, he would be there to protect them. If you drink anything deadly, it says it will not harm you. In those days, and this is true today, that could just be the water as you go out on the mission field. Water's pretty good here, but I've been a lot of places, India, uh, Belize, different places we've done ministry. And, and I want to say drinking the water, absolutely deadly. We had water purifiers. We got bottled water. We purified it once and then put it through a second purifier. And some people still found a way to get sick. So he's saying, don't worry, you're not going to die from it. You're just going to feel like, well, you're dying. His supernatural power is promised to heal the sick in his name. We have a great example of this at the gate, beautiful. And there's a sort of a side note, and it brings us to the, just about the end of all this. It says, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Peter and John go up to um, the gate, beautiful. It's the beautiful gate, but they say the gate, beautiful. And there's a guy begging there. He's always there. Everybody knows him. And he fixes his eyes on Peter, thinking he's going to receive something from him. And Peter says something many of us would say, hey, I'm broke too, dude. But, but uh, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. He takes him by the hand. He lifts him up. And this man who couldn't walk all of a sudden could walk. Why do I share these historical examples? To say that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're the doubters. We're the ones who aren't sure about what he can or will do. Well, let me at least say he can do anything. Do we know what he's going to do? No, we don't. But there's no reason not to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and then if he says to do something that doesn't make total sense to you, sometime that's him. You can always say, are you sure, Lord? And he will make it clear either way. Well, 
The Lord then had spoken to them. Afterward, he was received up, latter part of verse 18 and 19. He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Couple things from Matthew 24, and it's in preparation for communion. I would have just, excuse me, Luke 24. I would have saved it till we get through Luke. My intention when I come back from Israel is to start Luke. We'll go through it. We're going to jump over because we just did Matthew and Mark. We'll jump over after Luke into Acts. It's a sequel to, uh, you know, the, the part two of Luke's writing. And then we'll come back to John and work our way through the rest of the New Testament uh, as long as the Lord keeps me around to do it. Four things to consider quickly as we prepare our hearts for communion. These two disciples on the Emmaus Road, Jesus appears, but their eyes are restrained. They don't recognize him. Can't explain that, but he starts to say, hey, fellas, what's up? Why so down? And they're like, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened? And he goes, no, what happened? And they begin to explain how they thought Jesus was going to be the one. And I'm summarizing this. You should read it later. You'll be so blessed by it, I promise you. And, and, and so he, he says, he says, tell me what, what's happened. And, and they begin to say, well, Jesus, he was mighty in word and deed. And we had thought, past tense, he was the one. But he was crucified. And, and then they say, and then some of the women went to the tomb and they said he wasn't there and that he'd risen from the dead. And, and, and so listen to his words. Verse 25 of uh, Luke 24. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in the scripture the things concerning himself. They draw near to the village where they were going. It's called the road to Emmaus. They were on the Emmaus road. They were heading and they come to Emmaus. And there Jesus says, hey, I'm going to keep going. They say, no, stay here with us. And as they're sitting at the table, he takes bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it to them. And in the breaking of bread, they recognize him. That's why I wanted to share this with you. My prayer is that that's going to happen to you, that you'd, you'd get beyond the symbols to the substance, for Christ is the substance, you see. They rose up that hour and they come and they told the disciples and, and they said, we, we were with the Lord and we saw the Lord and he was made known to us in the breaking of bread. And finally, Two last verses, it's 44 and 45 of Luke 24. He said to them, these are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. This is why we study, read, spend time in the entire Old Testament. Why we'll be going through it for a fourth time here as we head into the new year, uh, our midweek Old Testament study. And so it, it ends with this, and this is my prayer for every one of you and for myself. And he opened their understanding 
that they might comprehend the scriptures. Thinking about the opening of the eyes of the two men on the road to Emmaus, consider a few other ways that God has opened our eyes. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I remember a time for myself when the message of the cross was foolishness to me. It made no sense. And when I did take a look at the words of the Bible, they were like gibberish with no real meaning that I could discern. But then, not by my own wisdom or intelligence, God gave me a gift. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says it this way, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.